0: May be seated. Again, thank you. I just want to say thank you to Pastor Seth for this opportunity to stand in this pulpit and to bring the word of God to you this morning. I also want to just invite you as you take your Bibles to open up to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, if you have a uh, if you're using a Pew Bible or Chair Bible, I guess, cuz these are chairs, not pews. Um you're going to turn to page 966. We're actually going to have two scripture readings, one from the Old Testament and one from the New Testament. And uh, the one in the Old Testament will be Psalm 133, but just camp out in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and I will read that psalm to you. But again, thank you for the opportunity. I pray that God would um, bless this time, that you would be greatly encouraged and strengthened. That's what I'm laboring for, is that we would walk away from this place um, more in love with Jesus, enthralled with God's glory, and we would be mobilized to live on his mission. If you would, I know kind of sometimes you go to church and you feel like you've done calisthenics, but would you read and uh, revere the word of God and stand as... We hear the word of God read this morning. First I'll read from Psalm 133. Hear the word of the Lord. Behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing. Life forevermore. Now, our 2nd Corinthians passage. 2nd Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Aren't you thankful for God's word this morning? Amen. You may be seated. May the Lord bless the hearing, the reading, and the understanding, and the obeying of his word. In Psalm 133, verse 1, the psalmist writes, Behold, look, see, gaze upon, stare at, look at how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. 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 Fellowship and harmony are a delight to everyone who experiences it. The psalmist describes it as a pleasant aroma that saturates the priest. He says, it's like it just was poured over Aaron, the priest, when he's anointed. And the refreshment experienced when dew settles on the side of a mountain. Oil, when it is applied, awakens and enlivens the senses and the countenance upon the person in which it was applied. There's just a glow about that person. But when dew comes, it cleanses. It renews the ground upon which it falls. And unity blesses all who walk, live, and experience it. Truly, how good and how pleasant, we might say, how glorious it is when brothers well, in unity. The life experience, my experience anyways, I'm sure it's your experience too, leaves us desiring unity more than it has us enjoying unity. We live in a broken world. Opposition fragments our world. Our homes, yes, our homes are devastated by competing agendas. And even our own hearts, at the deepest root of the person that you are, my, who I am, even at our hearts, we're divided and restless. Our mind goes one way, our heart goes another, and our will does its own thing, right? We're divided even within ourselves. We long for fellowship because we were created for fellowship. We long for unity because that's what we're meant to be. The world we inhabit was created by the eternal unity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, to be the realm in which their union, the, the Trinity's union, was reflected in our fellowship with one another as we live and labor and work underneath his gracious reign and rule. So we were made to reflect the unity of the Trinity in our relationships with one another. Fathers and children, husbands and wives, neighbors, nations, we were all designed to reflect the unity that the Trinity possesses. This longing that we have is real because we were made for it. But we traded that great, glorious delight, unity with God and one another, for deception. When we traded fellowship with God for sin. We, instead of having delight in unity and, and fellowshiping with one another, we traded it for having our own selfish desires and our own selfish ways. And that has severed us off from union with God, and it robs us of our deepest joy, namely, fellowship with one another. Sin has destroyed every relationship that you have. Every single relationship that you have has been ransacked by sin. Creation is kicking against your labors. Thorns and thistles, right? What was meant to be a glorious labor has turned into hard work with the sweat of your brow and women in childbearing having pain and toil. Why? Because of sin. So our relationship to creation is broken because of sin. We are at odds with our spouses, with our children, and with our neighbors. Why? Because of sin. Even our mind, our will, and our heart, and our bodies are out of sync, all because of sin. And all of this stems from our separation ultimately. At the very root, it's because of our separation from God, our Creator, and our Lord, and our Father. And finish it with me. Why? Because of sin. But in the death, Burial and resurrection, Jesus Christ. God the Father was not content to leave us in our selfishness. No, he has established a way for our union to be restored. And the Holy Spirit labors. He's working even in this room and even in this moment right now. He is whispering and gossiping to your heart. He is applying this reality of reconciliation with God by saying, you have a way to God. You have been. There's a way that's been opened. He is saying, you don't have to be abandoned. You're not alone anymore. You can have deep, loving, longing fellowship with God because God has opened the way through Jesus Christ our Lord. He is whispering that to our hearts. He's saying, be reconciled. But not only that, he empowers us to announce God's message of restoration and blessing to the world for his glory and our delight. So the Holy Spirit comes and he bears witness to our hearts so that we're empowered to bear witness to the lives of those in which we have been separated from, namely our neighbors, our homes, and our workplaces. God has reconciled us in Christ. He has saved us. He has restored us to bear witness to his glorious work of uniting all things to himself in and through the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Our New Testament passage, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 20-21, through 21, says, therefore we are ambassadors for Christ, We have been commissioned by God for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. God's means for making all things new. God's means for sending out, uh, making the world right again is you. He has commissioned you to be a herald of this gospel, this good news. God's means for mission is the church. It's us. But the message of the mission is this. For our sake, God, he made him, Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. There's the means. We are ambassadors. And there's the message. Be reconciled with God because God has made a way for you in Christ Jesus. See, in a world filled with political tension, war, and injustice, it is is necessary that civilized nations labor diligently to broker terms of peace with their enemies. The highly sensitive and difficult work is accomplished when kings, presidents, and prime ministers appoint ambassadors to speak on their behalf to the opposing leadership. Ambassadors are sent behind enemy lines to negotiate a peace deal. Who wants that job? Ambassadors have a difficult job, and we have seen how difficult it can be in recent years where Here's an ambassador sent into a very tumultuous situation and his life is on the line and ultimately it was taken. And why was he sent there? To broker peace. Ambassadors are sent into hostile situations in order to work and to labor to create peace, to negotiate terms of peace. Ambassadors, though, have no authority on their own, but only what is given to them by their respective leaders. Even their words... An ambassadors' words, their tactics, and plans have all been prescribed in order to accomplish the plans and the purposes of their president, their king, or their prime minister. They don't go in inventing things to say. No, they are told what to say. They are, they are sent as a representative. And so like ambassadors appointed by political leaders, you and I have been commissioned by the king of kings and the lord of lords to herald His terms of peace with every person, every tribe, and every nation that still stand in opposition to His gracious reign and rule. We have been commissioned by God to be ambassadors because all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus. We are being sent into the nooks and crannies of creation to call all people to be reconciled to God. We are ambassadors. King Jesus has already established the means, and the message of God's mission. We don't have to invent anything new. We don't need any new programs. We don't need any new projects. We don't have to figure out um, new persons to go. We are the means, and he has given us the message. Our responsibility is to go to our neighbors, to go to the nations as his ambassadors, to announce, to proclaim, to herald joyfully and gladly his terms of peace. God's means of reconciliation is his church. It's you. It's me. It's all of us who have been reconciled to him to be sent out to reconcile others to himself. We who were once hostile toward God have been redeemed to bring blessing and restoration to those who have not yet experienced the delight of union with with Christ. When When you were reconciled to God in that same move, He empowered you and enabled you and appointed you to be a minister, an ambassador of reconciliation. If you've been saved, you're in on this. So who wants to be ambassador? If you're in Christ, guilty already, you're there. You have been called by God to be an ambassador. This is being clearly lived out before us in the life and testimony of those brothers and sisters. This is on display. Those who have been reconciled are sent out to reconcile. You can see this in the brothers and sisters in South Carolina right now. You can see the power of a reconciled heart in a horrible situation. When their lives, their families, have been torn apart by a senseless murder, there they are, looking into the face of the perpetrator and extending forgiveness and mercy, calling them. I, I saw a video of them standing in the courtroom looking at a video screen of the man who murdered their family, and they say, believe in Jesus. Repent and turn to him. How does this happen? Their very lives, their very loved ones have been taken. Fathers who had children, their children are fatherless. Wives who had husbands, husbands who had wives taken away, yet they look in the camera and they say, you might receive judgment in this world, but turn to God and he will forgive you. Be reconciled. That is the power of the gospel. That is what we are called to do, to look in the face of our enemies and say, be reconciled to God. He loves you. The door is wide open. Brothers and sisters, look at them, listen to them, learn from them. They are leading the way for us right now. So how does this happen? Where does it come from? Hearts that have been reconciled are empowered to work for reconciliation. Hearts that are reconciled are empowered to work for reconciliation. The church is to be a display of the delight and unity God intended in the Garden of Eden and a projection of the future things to come when he establishes his reign and his rule in the new heavens and new earth. Your life together, our shared life together, should reflect God's intended purpose in the Garden. And it should be a preview of things to come. So when your friends and your neighbors and your co-workers look into the church, they should say, How good and pleasant it is when brothers and sisters dwell in unity. Why? Because they've been reconciled to God. And perfect as we are, because we've been reconciled to God, we can be reconciled to one another in unity and fellowship. But please hear me, brothers and sisters. Only reconciliation with God will bring about this delight to our churches and to our homes and to our hearts and to our neighborhoods. We cannot just be like, Hey, let's be buddies. Let's just get along. No more fighting. Lay down your lay down your weapons. Let's just let's just get along. No, the human heart is too corrupt for that. We have to be reconciled to God. True unity flows from reconciliation with God. Oh, that the Lord would work in our hearts, in our midst, even now, so deeply that when we walk away from this place and we walk away from this this place every Lord's day, that we would be singing this psalm. How good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity when we rest in God's reconciliation, we will sing this psalm aloud and the world will hear it and they will wonder and then they will ask and it's our job to say, be reconciled to God. Be reconciled to God. The gospel message, it's the good news that our severed relationship with God has been restored through the severing of the Son of God from fellowship with the Father God. Because Jesus was cut off from the Father on the cross, we can be reconciled. Because Jesus was cast out, you and I can be brought near to God. Because Jesus was rejected, we have been accepted in Him. By the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ, all things are being reconciled to God for His glory, the joy of all peoples, and the good of the city. Did you hear that word, all things? There are some things you might look at in the world and go, that'll never be made right. That'll never be reconciled. Marriages. Is it possible? Can this ever be reconciled? Can this ever be made right? In the gospel? Be reconciled to God. Fathers, on this day, are your children far from me? Is is your home more like a disfellowship than it is a fellowship? The gospel says this too can be reconciled. The nations, ISIS has a target on its back. God wants them to be reconciled. You don't believe me? Look at the life of Paul. God went after his enemies and he reconciled them. All things, all things, all things. What is it in your heart that you just don't believe? God's promise here is it will be. Be reconciled to God. The message of reconciliation, this good news, is really the best news you'll hear all day. And this is it. For our sake, he, God, made Jesus to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So before you get to the really good news, you got to sit and soak in the bad news sometimes. Sin not only separates us from God, but it also has made us hostile toward him. We aren't merely apathetic, just not having anything to do with him. No, we were enemies, adamantly opposed to him. Leon Morris says this, Reconciliation, that word that we've been throwing around, let's help define it. Reconciliation properly applies not to good relations in general, but to the doing away of an enmity, the bridging over a quarrel. It implies that the parties being reconciled were formally hostile to one another. That's our situation. We weren't just like mad at God. We hated God before he saved us. Well, not me, Nathan. Yes, you. Even me. The Bible tells us all bluntly that sinners, rebels, are all enemies of God. Here's some biblical proof. Romans 5.10. Colossians 1 and James 4 4 show us that we were all enemies of God we should not minimize the seriousness of these similar passages an enemy is not someone who comes a little short of being a friend it's, no, it's not an acquaintance that you just don't get along with no it's an enemy he is in the other camp he is altogether opposed to you the new testament pictures God in vigorous opposition to everything that is evil Did you hear that God in opposition to everything that is evil our biggest problem is the wrath of God. Our greatest solution is the love of God expressed to us in the gospel. God is your biggest problem. But he's also the only answer that you have to the problem. Now, the way to overcome enmity is to take away the cause of the quarrel. We may apologize, and this is this is how life goes. You may apologize or say you're sorry for hasty words. You may pay the money that is due We may make what reparation or restitution is appropriate, but in every case, the way to reconciliation lies through the effective grappling with the root cause of the enmity. You have to go to the root, and you have to call it out. You can't pass over it. When there's tension in the home, you're just like, yeah, we're just going to bypass that and ignore it and go around it. That does not settle anything. You have to look the problem in the face, and you have to uproot it. That is what Christ has done with our sin. Christ died to put it away. He didn't just become some kind of self-help coach that helps us manage our sin. No, he's a savior who took it took it upon his shoulders and carried it away from us for us to never have to deal with again. In this way, he dealt with enmity between God and man. Jesus took the wrath that you deserved and took it far away. There's nothing left for you to bear. Be reconciled to God. He put it out of the way. He made the way wide open for men to come back to God. It is this which is described by the term reconciliation. God has no more wrath for any of his children. There is not one ounce of anger if you are in Christ. There is not one drop of disappointment that the Father has toward you if you are in Christ. Oh, but you don't know what I did today. He loves you, but you would never guess what I did yesterday. He accepts you. Oh, if you only knew how much trouble I am in He approves of you. Jesus has dealt with your sin once and for all. It's done. Period. Case closed. Walk free if you're reconciled to Jesus. So as ambassadors of Christ, we must be diligent to declare God's powerful work of reconciliation. We should boast in this. We should delight in this. We should celebrate this. We should talk about this. Why? On behalf of Christ. Missionaries used to say, they used to pray, may the Lamb receive the full benefit of His sufferings. May every nation hear and may every nation turn and may every people group, may every child, may every neighbor of ours hear and believe the good news that the lamb might receive the full reward of his sufferings. We do this because of Christ and what he's done for us. Jesus died that we might find delight in union with God the Father, one another, and to reconcile the world to himself. If you look at this passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul says that God has reconciled us. Those of us who are in faith, those of us who are in Christ, verse 18 says that he reconciled us because, verse 19, he's reconciling the world. So in you, in your message, God, the Father, is hugging the world to himself. Okay, cotton patch version. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It's the weirdest translation of the Bible, but it helps. It's like backwoods, southern... Translation of the Bible, it says this. In Jesus, our big brother, Papa came down to us, rascals, and hugged us to himself. Papa came to us in big brother and hugged us to himself. We don't hug enemies. This is foreign, but God does. And he is hugging the world to himself through you, through us. God reconciled us because he's reconciled the world. Therefore, let us continue to fill the God's purpose in Christ by calling out to all in verse 20, be reconciled to God. God made Jesus what we were so that we might become what he is. Righteous. Another way of saying this, right before a father. Jesus dwelling in perfect unity, fellowship and harmony. That's yours in Christ. The righteousness of God is the delight we long for, and the only way to have it is to come to Jesus to be reconciled to God, because He became what you were, so that you might become what He is. Dearly beloved children, I stood in the back there just a few moments with a man, and I just remember just like having this great conversation, and we were just talking, and then all of a sudden it just hit me like, you died in Christ. You went to the grave in christ you've been raised in christ are you hearing this it's not something that happened it's kind of like this sort of exchange no it literally happened to you and then ephesians 2 says that now you and me we are seated in christ in the heavenly places at the right hand of the father we are in perfect union with god there's not a better message to be heard. So let's make this really practical this morning about our own hearts for the sake of the world that we might partner with God and his work of reconciliation, that we might vote, go from this place singing on our lips how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell together. Let's make this really practical. First, I want you to take stock of your heart this morning and just answer these questions. Like, expose your heart. Lay down on the gurney of the gospel and let God go to work on your heart this morning. First, at the heart level. This is where we want to begin with ourselves, right? Ask yourself this. Am I delighting? Am I delighting in the reconciliation that God has offered me in Christ this morning? Now, I didn't say, do you assent or do you affirm? I said, do you delight? Many people will miss heaven by 18 inches. They learned it in their head, but they never accepted it and believed it in their heart. They could affirm the message, but do they really embrace the message? Has their heart been transformed? Are they clinging to this? See, that's the difference between knowing something and delighting in it, is the heart. Not do you know and do you affirm or do you assent, but do you delight? Are your affections stirred this morning when you think about the fact that you were once an enemy of God? And he has reconciled you. Is your heart seeing this one? You've been made right. Here's another question. Is my heart rejoicing? Again, delight, rejoicing, that I have union with God in Christ, or am I deceived by sin that still separates me from him? That's the, that's the tension. Are we delighting? If no, then there's probably something else we're delighting in, and that's deception. So what are you rejoicing in this morning? The first mission field that you're going to encounter every day, every morning, and every evening, when you are alert, the first mission field that you're going to encounter is your own heart. It is necessary that you wake up every morning and you preach, first and foremost, the gospel to yourself. I struggle with it. (laughs) It really seems to be too good to be true. Nathan, God has accepted you in Christ. Seth, God has adopted you in Christ. Church, God approves of you in Christ. Preach that to yourself instead of like complaining about the acne or the way the body's crumbling. When you turn on the light and you're scared, you're like, oh, what's going on here? I need to fix my hair. No, go, I am loved. (laughs) I'm accepted. God is passionate about me. He is excited about me. Warts and all. Because that's the gospel. Don't talk to yourself. Preach the gospel to yourself. So here's the question Are you reconciled to God? Is your heart rejoicing? Are you delighting? And praise be to the Lord. If not, are you reconciled to God. So now, let's look now at our relationships, how the gospel impacts those. How has the gospel of reconciliation impacted your home? That's a hard question to ask on a Sunday morning. Yeah, I got five kids. And, you know, it's not always just everybody wakes up at 7, eats their cereal, and comes up in their jammies, and they have their toothbrush and their hair come, you know, parted just right, and then they go put their clothes on and say, let's go to church and worship the Lord together, how good and pleasant it is. It's not that way. But it can be. We're reconciled to God. Not, not the perfection, not the Brady Bunch and the you know Mayberry look. But just a unity and a joy in the home. Would you use the word of the psalmist to describe your home? Good and pleasant. Now, I'm not saying this to crush you underneath a weight of guilt. I'm saying this so that we can really just look at the issue in the face and trust God's promises. If we're reconciled to God. We can be reconciled to one another and walk in unity. Again, I'm not saying this to crush you. I'm saying this to give you hope. If if you walk away going, that's not my life, that's not my world, if you only knew my husband, or if you only knew my wife, or if you only knew my kids, or if you only knew my neighbors, let me just switch it. How about we go, how about we start with us and say, am I reconciled to God? Yeah, then I'm empowered to be reconciled to them. And the Holy Spirit will do that work, and our homes will be filled with good and pleasant aromas of grace and love and kindness. The fact is that we, the fact is that we often forget or just don't believe God's promises. Cling to them, and He will change you. What would your neighbors, your friends, and your coworkers say that you're delighting in? Sometimes the best way to know like what you're really passionate is to ask your friends. What do I talk about the most? I tend to talk about. Indianapolis Colts, and the Buffalo Bills, a whole lot. I tend to talk about books a whole lot, even Christian books a whole lot. I talk about the gospel, but am I delighting in the gospel? How about you? Are they delighting in union with God? Are your friends, are your neighbors, are your coworkers, are your family members delighting in union with God? Well, my question is, is have you told them to be reconciled to God? You are ambassadors. Preach the gospel to your own heart, believe it, and go and share it with others. God has reconciled us in Christ to bear witness to his glorious work of uniting all things to himself. The question is, are we reconciled? On behalf of Christ, implore others to be reconciled. Are you opposed to God? This is, your only, this is what you have to hear this morning and respond to. Then be reconciled. The, the door is wide open. God wants to reconcile all things. Yes, even you and even me. All things this morning. Is your marriage in need of reconciliation? The door is open. God is near. Repent and believe the gospel. Does your home need to be reconciled? The door is wide open. Hear and believe and repent and trust God. He is here for you. We all have a decision to make this morning, don't we? Well, if that's the case, may the Lord take his word and apply it to our hearts by the power of the Holy Spirit to bring salvation and delight and to this place in Christ. This morning, we have been reconciled to God through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And every Lord's Day, we have the opportunity to rehearse this gospel message in really practical ways. We take the bread, we take the cup, and we feast on the fact that God has made a way for us. I didn't say take a, have a snack. Little hold me over to lunch. No, we come to the table to feast in the kindness and the grace and the goodness of our Lord. When you come this morning, the Lord bids you, if you're in Christ, if you're trusting in him, you're believing in him, you've been reconciled, he says, come to the feast. The table is open. You are welcome here. Be reconciled to God. Believe the gospel. And may your hearts and your spirits and your minds and your homes and your workplaces and your neighborhoods and the earth be refreshed because you feasted at this table today. All are welcome. Lord, the Spirit and the bride say, come, let us feast together. Let's pray.